What do words and phrases like virtual, in real life, face-to-face, -face, and cyberspace mean to you? Your answer may say a lot about how you're feeling as you navigate the world these days. I'm Elaine Casket with This Is Your Life on Tech, a Monday micro-podcast to help you live better and more mindfully with, through, and alongside all that technology. First, virtual. It's a slippery word. It often refers to a situation where you aren't quite getting what you want. Virtual has synonyms like unacknowledged or implied or indirect. But virtual can also mean constructive, essential, fundamental. During the lockdowns of the last few years, which way you thought about virtual relating may have influenced how well you coped. For some folks, social isolation and physical isolation were the same. And for others, they weren't. Do you typically use phrases like in real life or face-to-face -to, -face to refer to interactions that don't involve technology? In 2013, a group of scholars led by the philosopher Luciano Floridi released their on-life manifesto. Floridi said, our online world has transformed some things. For example, the distinction between reality and virtuality has been blurred. The distinction between human, machine, and nature has gradually eroded. We've gone from relatively scarce information to crazily abundant information. And we've shifted from a focus on standalone things to connections, the spaces between all sorts of interactions, processes, and networks. So Floridi created the term on life because he was arguing that it's no longer sensible to talk in terms of online or offline. And the philosopher Pat Stokes, author of a book called Digital Souls, says that now social media sites aren't just a place where we build a version of ourselves. They are part of our face. My online psychotherapy work, if anything, seems hyper face-to-face, -face, sometimes showing only the face. I can pick up on levels of expression that I never could before, and because I know the same thing goes for my client, I'm aware that I need to show up to that session more fully present and attentive than ever. I'm so aware that my work is face-to-face -face and in real life that I've started calling any office work something different, like physically co-present sessions. Cyberspace used to mean a separate plane, an anonymous space, a faceless disembodied realm. Cyberspace, once upon a time, was something other to your life, other to your real relationships. In William Gibson's 1984 book, Neuromancer, he called cyberspace a consensual hallucination. Was your last Zoom call with someone you really care about a consensual hallucination? I kind of understand why we don't use the word cyberspace so much anymore. During the lockdowns of the pandemic, a lot of people became anxious about online relating, that it wasn't real. 
We worried that being forced into so much of it would harm us because humans have such social natures. And mental health practitioners like me have long been a little technophobic because therapeutic outcome studies show that the bond, the relationship between therapist and client, is the crucial factor for effective therapy. Many therapists assumed that relational depth just couldn't be achieved online. But they were wrong. There's only one circumstance where it's impossible to deeply connect online, and that's if there is no access to the technology, if there is no online. Where the technology is available, the barriers aren't so much about some proven consistent difference between online and offline relating. It depends on you, your personality, your attitudes, your behaviors determine how deep and beneficial your technologically mediated relationships will be. It's not the technology itself. Don't get me wrong, some barriers to good online communication are definitely external. Text-only conversations can make it harder for us to understand each other. Emoticons can only help so much. And when the natural flow of conversation gets disrupted through dropouts or pixelated video or bad audio, it is uncomfortable. It's less satisfying. When it's good, it's very, very good. And when it's bad, it can be horrid. But building and maintaining relational intimacy and closeness doesn't depend on whether you're online or offline. It's about your openness, your intent, your desire. I hold several psychotherapy clinics a week on Zoom. I log on with willingness and curiosity, with a commitment to focused attention, with my notifications disabled, and with gratitude for what this technology can give me and the people I'm connecting with. I've laughed and cried and been deeply connected with friends and family and colleagues and clients online. In fact, when I'm asked about Zoom fatigue, I can say with honesty that I've never experienced it. I think Zoom fatigue often happens because it casts into sharper relief the things about which we were numb or avoidant or in denial before. For example, the realization that a particular committee is unnecessary and meaningless and maybe that it always has been or the awareness that your manager doesn't care about or connect with you the way you want, or the pennies dropping that actually you don't like your job, that you've drifted away from what you care about, that your work actually isn't nurturing you enough. The essence of Zoom fatigue isn't necessarily Zoom. Here's a question. Are you high proy or low proy? Proy, P-R-O-I, stands for Perceived Reality of Online Interactions. Low-proy people see online contact as inherently less real, less good, less valid. When folks say they can't really communicate online or it's not an actual conversation if it takes place through a screen or they can't discuss really important things unless it's quote-unquote in-person, they're low-proy. High-proy individuals are open to the idea that technologically mediated relating can be nurturing too and they actively seek to turn technology to that purpose. Meeting through technology, you can choose to hide or choose to show up. Just like in the office, you can be mentally there or mentally checked out. Via technology, you can be emotionally available or unavailable, just like you are all the time in relationships. You can be lonely in a crowded physical room and deeply connected in a crowded Zoom room. It doesn't come naturally to everyone. 
you might be low proy. But if you can mobilize greater curiosity and openness to experience, and really go for alignment with what you want, the kind of connection you want, when you deliberately set out to feed your social nature with the highest quality nutrition you can find online and off, you'll inoculate yourself against the fate of social disconnection. Thanks for starting your week with This Is Your Life on Tech with me, Elaine Casket. I hope you'll listen in next Monday for another installment. In the meantime, if you're enjoying this, please subscribe now and let folks know what you think with a review or recommendation. It helps a lot. Until next week.